Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. I want to introduce you to Diane Swanson. Most of you know her. How many of you know Diane? She is a queen among women. Uh, Diane, come on up. Diane is also one of our church elders, which means she brings uh, spiritual mothering and leadership to our family as a church. She has incredible leadership. Uh, she oversees um, programs, right? You're the executive president, vice president. I always do that. I like to just add more words. The executive vice president of, she's the vice president of programs for Global Teen Challenge. And so Diane brings an incredible amount of leadership and wisdom. Has got this spiritual mama thing that like, if you feel intimidated by something, just go talk and pray with Diane. It'll be fine. Um, but this morning, we're really pleased for her to come and just to share on radical generosity. And so you guys give it up for the esteemed Diane Swanson. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. Well, uh, thank you, Pastor Grant. I'm, I was wondering there if I'm just on the elder board because I'm elder, but, you know, you just never know why you get picked sometimes. Um, so t- today we're talking about radical generosity. So I thought I'd tell you one of my earliest experiences with radical generosity in 30 years ago, and I um, am married to a man who... Um, has a severe drug addiction, and he, um, the, the addiction got so bad to where he just started looking for money wherever he could, and um, to the point where he r- forged a note, walked into my place of work, and picked up my paycheck, and spent it all, and so now here I am. I have a eight nine-month-old baby, five dollars in my pocket, and two weeks till payday. He'd also wiped out all of our savings, and I don't know what to do, and crying, I I happened to call my my pastor, uh, my pastor's wife, and she just showed up. Her and pastor just showed up, and they loaded me up with everything that I would need for two weeks, diapers, formula, um, food, everything. But that wasn't my radical generosity moment. That was, that was perfect. I was desperate. They showed up. I needed it. But there was another couple in the church. And they just came and scooped me up because by this time my, my husband... Um, you know, drugs do terrible things. People become something that they never imagine what they could be when they're under the influence. And he became a very unsafe person. And he, um, so the home that I was in became unsafe. And so they scooped me up and my baby. And they were a young couple. They also had an eight-month-old baby. And they said, we have everything you need. Come and stay with us for as long as you want. And for the next six months, they took care of me. It wasn't just that they financially took care of me. They helped mend my heart. They were Jesus big time and skin for me. And I got to tell you, I was transformed 
by their love, by their generosity. I'd, I'd come home and he'd say, hey, I need to move your car. Can I have your keys? And he'd move my car to the gas station and fill it up and bring it back. And whenever they shopped, they shopped for me too. And um, they made sure I had time alone. So they would, they would watch my daughter. They mended my soul. And that transformed me. And I got to tell you, to this day, we're family. I love, my soul is knitted to Rob and Debbie McIntyre, who live in Arizona, because they rescued me with their radical generosity. So I want to talk about radical generosity today. And just heads up, we're going to talk about money. Just heads up, you will feel uncomfortable. Just love me any way you have to. But um, if, you are, if you make more than $32,400 a year, you are in the 1% club, which means you're in the 1% of all of the top earners in the world if you make more than 32,400 worldwide you make the most money in um in 1973 a, a businessman named Howard Dayton very successful he began doing a study on uh, money he wanted to know what god said about it and he actually found that there were 30 or 2350 2350 scriptures on money, and, and compare that to 500 scriptures on prayer and faith. So the Bible has, God has a lot to say about money. And um, one, of the, one of the things he says is like, you've got to choose between who you're going to serve, money or God. It's really easy to slip in to that space where we think that money can provide for all our needs and money will make us happy. But that's an illusion. It's just not true. Yes, we do need money, but my whole soul shouldn't be tied to it. So it has to be a resource, but not my source. You hear me? So um, Howard, after he finished the study, said, you know, that study radically and permanently changed me from worshiping money to serving Christ. And I thought that was a very interesting statement. It changed me from worshiping money. And, you know, I worshiped money. I didn't have a clue I was worshiping money at the time, but I did worship money. And if you want to know if you're worshiping something, if you're in idolatry, if you're looking for it to meet your need or bring you security or give you happiness, you really don't know that you have a problem with that thing until it's taken away from you, right? When is a, a, a sticking on the drugs thing, when is a drug addict okay when they have their drugs? When are they not okay when they don't have their drugs? And, and they're freaked out and the emotions are extreme. Well, um, I thought I was okay until I was robbed and I lost all my money. And then I 
went into extreme panic and fear. And you know, God challenged me because at this time, it wasn't 30 years ago, this was more like eight years ago that I got robbed by a friend and they'd wiped out my nest egg. It was a con. And, um, and the Lord said to me, okay, um, Diane, you're going to have to decide. Are, am I big enough to take care of your financial needs when your bank account is empty? Yes or no? And, you know, I decided yes. I told him yes. But that didn't wrestle with the fear that I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was terrified to move forward. What a great exercise in growing my faith. Because I, I'm here to tell you, God absolutely, 100%, miraculously, like that miraculous provision in the desert, took care of me. He is faithful. He is able. And so that scripture, Matthew 6, 24, um, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is money, possessions, fame, status, um, and then Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This was a lesson I had to learn because God was asking me to do even bigger things for him. And if I thought my safety and security came from money, I was going to be crippled. And so I had to get that alignment that God is my source always. So I want to talk to you about the psychology of money, you know, the, the behaviors that, that go on with, with money. You know, the, the presence of money makes us act more self-sufficient, more independent. And let me give you an example. So there was, and this is research proven, okay? I'm not just, like, telling you my opinion. I'm telling you things that are that are validated through lots of research studies. And so this one research study, they had people um, fill out a questionnaire, and after they had completed the questionnaire on the computer, the screensaver popped up, and they had three groups. This one uh, computer just showed up blank. The second one had these fish swimming underwater, and the third one had money floating underwater. And it was just there maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds. And then what they did is they instructed all of the people to um, uh, get with another person and then set up your chairs. And the people who actually saw the money, even though this was subconscious, they consistently put their chairs at least a foot further apart than everybody else. I know, right? Because what happens is this money, it causes independence, which means I need to keep you out here. It also causes us to have more business-like conversations where I can't handle you getting emotional and, and I'm not going to show any emotion to you. And what happens is every goal that we have to be in community is opposed when we have our focus on financial independence. Good to know, right? Good to know. And so 
Um, so let me tell you about the psychology of generosity. The people who practice generosity have healthier bodies. And I'm telling you, research proven. Okay? This isn't just, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. No, this is it. This is for real. Healthier bodies. They have a greater empathy. They have lower rates of depression. Longer lifespans. Because there's little happy chemicals that are released when we give. Oxytocin. Okay? Um, studies show that giving to others improves our short-term happiness and our long-term well-being. Good to know, right? But you know, generosity obviously doesn't come natural to our carnal lives. It doesn't. It's the opposite. Without Christ, we're pretty selfish people. We're pretty self-centered people. And and so giving is really an outcome of us submitting ourselves to the lordship of Christ. It really all comes down to lordship. Because, you know, we've got this idea um, about finances. God has a lot of ideas about finances. And if, if I've never served God with my money, because, I mean, obviously there's all, a lot of other different ways that I can align myself with the lordship of Christ. But today we're just talking about dollar bills, okay? Um, I have to align my soul with him and agree with him before I can ever even pull my wallet out. I have to agree with him, okay, is this tithing thing for real? Is it, you know, is this really tithing is going to bless the 90% that I keep I found that to be 100% yes. My personal experience with dollars, um, 100% yes. My 90 goes farther than my 100 consistently. And so, so um, what does the Lordship of Christ really mean? First of all, it means acknowledging his position as the Son of God. It means voluntarily, not because I'm coerced or pressured or whatever, but voluntarily submitting to his authority and his discipline. So it's, it's like, it's not just knowing Christ, it's putting myself in the position of following him. And so it's recognizing that the lordship of Christ means that I make him Lord, and I volunteer to be his follower. So in the topic of money, this is how I'm going to, as a follower of Christ, this is how I am going to, this is my bare minimum. Okay, this isn't radical generosity. This is just being a follower of Christ. I pay my tithe, and, and I give an offering. And, and how do I choose to give my offerings? Me personally, I... I've, I've chosen some ministries that I give because they break my heart. The other reason I give is because I give to where I want to go. 
So if so, when I initially felt the calling to be a missionary, I intentionally gave to missions. So, so what does the basics of looking, of sorry, the basics of giving actually look like? How should we give? We should give our dollars. We should give. But it's not just giving a dollar, okay? It has to be tied to love. It, it has to be, where is it? Um, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, I want to say, that says you can give away all your money to the poor and it doesn't mean anything. So this isn't about just giving a dollar. Yes, it's about my obedience, but I need it to be bathed in love and passion for him. So it's giving of my dollars. It's giving my tithes and my offerings. And, you know, the very first example of that is um, Genesis 14, 18 through 20, where, um, what's his name? Abraham gives 10% of all that he has to king, the king of Salem. So we sh- secondly, we should give um, cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I think I could say it the other way. God doesn't like someone who's grudgingly give. He, he needs you. First of all, he wants your heart. He doesn't need our money. But he wants our heart and he wants our obedience. And we need to give because we have fallen in love with him. And I need to serve you. And so here's my dollars. We should give from a spirit of love, as I said before. We should give from the top, not from the leftovers. Right? Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. So, so when the way I... I work that for me is that um, it's the first check. I actually still write checks once in a while if I'm not paying online. It's, it's my first bill I want to pay. Um, and we should give without expecting credit. Jesus was saying in Matthew 6, 2, so when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets. Because at the, at the time, in, the, in that day, That's what the Pharisees would do. They'd make this huge, big announcement to let people know how awesome they were. But he says, like, don't do that. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, be honored to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they had their reward in full. So when should we give? We should give when others ask for help. Luke 6:30 Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. What? That's kind of some radical thinking, right? That absolutely <laughs> takes a heart for Jesus because that's not my nature. You took my stuff? Give it back to me. But if someone takes it, don't demand it back. That's, that's really going to cause me to exercise some self-control, right? 
When should we give? We should give generously whenever we can. Proverbs 3.27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to act. Well, that just makes a whole new situation, right? Don't withhold good. You know, I've been really guilty of withholding good. Because somewhere in my heart, I'm like, well, they don't really deserve it. Yeah, you make me mad. I'm not giving you any good. And so again, it takes me to have a transformed heart in order to not withhold good. Because I'm not doing anything bad to you. I'm just not doing anything good to you. And so God, God says, if you've got the power to do it, you should be doing good. So, <laughs> so why do we give? Let's talk about this. Okay, and this, we've already heard the, the research proven why. Healthier life, longer lifespan, greater happiness. But what does the, the word say about the why? So first of all, everything belongs to God. We can like, maybe think it's ours, but it's not. We are his financial caregivers. We are his, the stewards of his dollars. So First Chronicles 29, 14, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. At the end of the day, all that I have, Father has given me. And so if he wants to share his, his dollars with somebody else, he'll let me know. And my act of obedience, my act of worship is to be generous. The second is we give out of thanksgiving to God. 2 Corinthians 9.11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Isn't, I got to tell you, when, when Rob and Debbie scooped me up, my thank yous went that way. I mean, I loved them, and, I, and of course I said thank you. But my prayer and my worship was on high. I needed them. They have no idea how much I needed them. Next is we find inner peace when we give generously. Proverbs 11.25 a generous person will prosper. See, the, the tendency is to think, if I give all my stuff away, I'm going to miss out on something. That's, that's not kingdom thinking. The, the kingdom thinking, the kingdom truth is, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So I'm going to prosper financially but I'm also going to prosper in my soul. Jesus said it first. The research studies just proved it. The spirit in which we give 
This is the next one. Is the spirit in which we will receive. That's why God says, like, don't be a grudge. You know, don't, don't, don't do it because you're feeling pressured. Do it with the right attitude. Because with that right attitude that you give it is what you're going to receive from me. It's not about the amount. It's about the obedience. It's about the act of worship. The spirit in which we give is the spirit in which we will receive. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For, when the measure, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The next one, um, why can I be so generous, is because God sees my needs. Even though I'm the one giving, God sees my needs. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If you want to see a, a very spiritual conversation of giving, read Philippians 4. Because in Philippians 4, Paul is writing to, this, to um, a church who's been sending him all kinds of money because he's a missionary, right? And, and he's saying, you know, I'm so glad I've got to connect with you again. And it wasn't because I had a need, verse 19, because God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. And it's not because I've had a lot or a little. God is able to supply for my need. But I'm really glad you got to connect with me because um, what's going to be credited to your account? You see, because when we give generously, God notices and he writes it down. It's like, okay, look, more credit for your account. Look what you did. And, and see, when we have an opportunity, especially when we are giving to the cause of Christ, whatever that is, rescuing a single mom, you know, uh, uh, giving to a missionary, we are sending our dollars off to war. It becomes an act of spiritual warfare, my dollars. I might not be able to go, but the Lord says when I send someone, I get to equally participate in their credit. Does that make sense? It gets credited to our accounts. Let me read it for you. 4, 15 through 18. And you Philippians know that in the early days of preaching the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I do seek the profit, which increases to your heavenly account, the blessing which is accumulating for you. The other, the other thing that giving the why is community. Remember I said that putting my focus on my own financial success opposes 
all of my goals for community because and and it, it's kind of inescapable because my subconscious is to hold people off um, if I think they especially if I think they want my money but but God says be generous because we need to share in other people's in each other's difficulties and um, back to Philippians 4 uh, Paul's Paul wrote I rejoiced greatly this is Philippians 4 10 through 14 I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that now at last you have renewed your concern for me Indeed, you were concerned about me before, but you had no opportunity to show it. Not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances. I know how to get along and live humbly, and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. Nevertheless, it was right of you to share with me in my difficulties. Robin Debbie McIntyre shared with me in my difficulties. You know, um, when I was first, um, first uh, launching to be a missionary, um, I was leaving, I was the director of a teen challenge program in Arizona, and, and I'm launching to be a full-time missionary with Global Teen Challenge. This was about eight years ago, nine years ago. And, um, and there was a, a gentleman that volunteered at the center who did all of our IT work and, and computers and everything, and he, very generous man. And he said, hey, uh, when you leave, are you going to need a computer? And I said, uh, actually, because I knew he didn't, he just did IBMs, and I, I wanted a Mac. And I knew it was, like, really expensive, and, you know. And I didn't want to, like, well, yeah, I want a Mac, you know. <laughs> um, and I said, well, actually, um, I got it covered. Um, he goes, well, okay, well, uh, do you need any help moving? Well, no, the Teen Challenge guys are going to come over, and I got that covered, too. They're going to move me. And, um, and honestly, I didn't think about it anymore after that. And so um, I went and I bought my Mac, and I thought, oh, well, the next day I'll go and I'll buy my printer. And the Lord stopped me, and he said, you are not going to buy a printer. And I'm like, but what's the deal? I have the money to buy the printer. He said, you didn't let him participate. You gave him no opportunity to invest and get credit for what you are receiving. Oh my goodness. And I was I was spanked. <laughs> and I said, "Okay." He goes, "You're going to call him and ask you to buy him a printer." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." So I called him and I said, "So, um So I really felt like the Lord said for me to call you and ask you to buy me a printer. And he's like, yeah, no problem. I'll, uh, you want me to come by today and install it? Yes, please. <laughs> and, and he did. And, and he came over immediately that afternoon and, and connected it. And, um, 
And then he hands me this, this Walmart bag full of ink cartridges for my printer. And then he said, Diane, in case you were wondering if you were hearing from God or not, last week I went to order two printers, and the Lord said, no, order three. You know, it made me horrifically uncomfortable, right? But the Lord needed him to participate. And it was my pride that was getting in the way of his opportunity to be generous. And so it can work both directions. It's hard being the recipient of generosity because it's it's hugely humbling experience. So both sides of that. It's hard being the recipient, and sometimes it's hard to be obedient in giving, especially if if this is a new space for you. But it's okay. We're just going to choose to love each other through it, right? So I want to talk about contagious generosity. Again, I'm citing some research studies here because generosity has been documented that when you, when you give generously, then that person is going to give generously, and then that person is going to give generously, and then that person, up to four people, will give generously. So think about that. When you are obedient to Christ and you give generously, you are, you are not just affecting that one person, but you have a ripple effect that's going to affect out four people. Your act of kindness causes the person you helped to pay it forward, and that person, and that person, and that person. And, you know, generosity does not have to be dramatic. God doesn't care about just the number. He cares about your heart and your obedience. But it does need to be intentional. Because, you know, as I said, this, we're not really doing something that comes natural. We're, we are participating in the supernatural. I know it must have been really inconvenient to have me and my nine-month-old baby girl move in with Rob and Debbie. Thank God for the ministry of inconvenience. So, again, I want to I leave you with um, one more example of radical generosity. And this is a story I heard um, from Todd White. And um, so Todd White's very gifted in the prophetic and words of knowledge and words of prophecy. And one of his favorite things to do is um, minister to the waitresses and the waiters uh, who come and serve him. And, and he's got a personal, something for me to work up to, a personal conviction that he's not going to go out to eat unless he can double the bill with the tip. Does that make sense? And so he, um, he went out to dinner with his family. 
And the, and the first thing when the waitress comes by, he's like, hey, just wanted to let you know that God loves you and, and you are, he sees you. And immediately she's like, well, yeah, thanks. And, and just her whole demeanor changed. And all of a sudden they got the worst service in the world. And um, because she obviously had some issues with Christians or, or God or something. And so what happened was the, the people next to them got their appetizers, got their food, paid their check and left before they even got their appetizers. And, and then when they got their food, it was cold. And his wife's like, oh, this food's cold. He goes, I know. It's going to be okay. And so... Um, when, when she came by and he's like, hey, thank you for the steak. It's really great. And then, um, then all of a sudden she brings her manager out. And it wasn't because there was a problem. She brings her manager out because he's a practicing atheist. There's like more people on my team, right? <laughs> and so, so he, um, he comes up to Todd White and she's like, and Todd just is doing himself. He's like, yeah, uh, God is really, really, he sees you. And um, actually, he sees your knee, the pain that you're having in your knee. And he actually has told me that you got that injury from a football accident. And he also sees the pain that's in your back. And now this guy's like, how did you know? And it, it actually turns out that he, he was able to pray for him, and he was healed right there over dinner. And, and now this, this waitress is like, I don't, she's messed up because her one ally just got saved and healed, <laughs> right? And, and so she just, um, she just shuts down cold. And anyway, so they, they check out, and they double her tip. Worst service in the world, double her tip. And as they're walking out, she's chasing after them. And she's, she's obviously really messed up emotionally because she has just received radical generosity. And he actually ended up leading her to the Lord too. And you know, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. When I can use my dollars for war. When I can love when people probably don't deserve it. So, I want to be that person. I want to be that person who is so full of the kingdom of God that, that I can use my dollars as weapons against darkness whether it's sending money off to the missionaries, whether it's reaching out to a friend in need, whatever it is, I think we can do more. And wherever you are with yours, the way you, you enter into that next step is with a conversation with the Lord. Here's what I'm doing, Father. You know, and you... you Come up with what are you actually doing? How, how much are you putting into the kingdom through, through a tithe, through an offering? And whatever that number is when you add it up, don't 
judge the number. Because a lot of times we can get so discouraged, but don't judge it. Just, just say, okay, this is where I am. And then ask the Lord, how can I make it better? How can I uh, mature with you, Father? I submit my finances to you, and I come into your lordship. Yes, I want to be compliant, but I want to be more than that. I want to be supernatural. I want to take out the darkness with my worshipful obedience. I want to enter into the place where I can create kingdom impact because my finances are so blessed that I can now do things to, do, to create, um, what am I trying to say? I want to move the hand of God through finances. I don't want to be the person who partners with fear to think I won't have enough because, and, and hold that back and then break my community and, and foster independence. God didn't call us to be independent. He called us to be interdependent. So let's, let's uh, stand. I just want to give you all opportunity. I know we had a fabulous prayer time today. But I just want to give you all an opportunity. If you need more prayer, I'm not going to take an offering right now. But if you, if you want to set a new goal with the Lord about your finances, if you want to talk to him, if you are going through, actually, let's do this. If you are going through a financial struggle right now, would you come forward and let's pray for your finances? If you are hurting in your finances, come on forward. Yeah, let's do that. Can I have the prayer team come up too? If there's any more, come on. If you're hurting in your finances, come on, let's let's take them to the Lord and let him heal your finances. Hallelujah. If you need the Lord to do a work in your heart, and it doesn't have to, if you just need up to be up here for any reason, if you just want some prayer, please come on up, come forward. <laughs>